Well, we're the doodas, zippity doo zippity day. <laughs> my, my dad asked me on the way uh, to my wedding, um, do you really want to marry a guy with the name Duda? You're going to have the last name Duda for the rest of your life. Well, this was really funny because my maiden name is Fly, F-L-Y. So I looked at my dad after years, and my first name is Danise, and nobody ever gets it right when they look at it. And her middle name is May. And, yeah, and my middle name is May. So pe- people would say, Danise may fly, or then again, she may not. You know, I'm, you know, those are the things you hear when you're a kid. So when my dad said that to me, I thought, You've got, I didn't say anything to him because I was trying to be loving and honoring. But I, in my mind, I was thinking, you've got to be kidding. I've been living with all of this, you know, this instant shame laid on me every first day of school, you know, because every kid now knew what my whole name was and they could tease me about it. And um, so I'm a Duda and I love it. <laughs> so um, just a quick, I met this guy when I was 14 years old in high school. And um, um, yeah, and it's been 47 years this Friday that we met. 46 years, yeah. I'm, I'm a year ahead of us. And we've been married 41 years. So um, we have, um, let's see, we have lots of children, but biologically we have had uh, four children. And um, Joy is in the middle. She's our eldest daughter. Uh, we have Abram, we have Caleb, which we'll share testimony about. He's in heaven. Uh, we have um, uh, Joy, and then we have Grace, and then we have uh, Richie, who's in heaven also because he wanted to be there. And uh, <laughs> and um, so we, and then we have lots of kids all over the world that we love. And so we are. We have a big heart as a mom and dad. And you know, the world is very small now. You know, you can go to, you know, Dubai, you can go to Australia in 14 hours. I mean, so you can get around the world pretty, pretty quickly. So you, you can visit all kinds of people and have all kinds of fun. And that's, that's basically what we've been doing the last seven years. We pastored for 30 years in different capacities in the church. And God shifted our identity and told us that he has, he'd now shifted us into an apostolic work and to being apostles. We didn't know what that meant took us about three years to figure out what that meant to us and what were the boundaries, what was the metron that he'd given us as apostles to work within. And so uh, we've been working uh, as he calls, as we're being called for, and he sends us to different places. Uh, We've been working and doing what he's told us to do. So um, we have an exciting life. Uh, We live in Yelm, Washington, Y-E-L-M, it means shimmering lights on the prairie. It's, you know, of course, the whole area of western Washington is all uh, the Indians. So all the names of the towns are Indian names. And so um, uh, we've lived there. We got born again in 1975, coming at the tail end of the Jesus movement. Um, we had friends that were in California that would come back to sh- the suburbs of Chicago and tell us, oh, um, there's, there's this Jesus movement going on, and I don't know if I want to be a Jesus freak or not. And we'd be like, well, well, we don't know either. <laughs> I mean, we, didn't, we weren't really, we really didn't catch what was happening until we moved to Washington. And Gary's going to share some of that testimony. We got born again in 1975. 
both of us, I got born again radically in my bedroom. Gary got born again in, in our living room. And, uh, since, and since that time, we've never thought to do anything else but serve God. I mean, something got activated in the spirit at that point, and that was it. Um, it's been fun. It's been, um, there's been lots of, um, of uh, things that we've had to walk through, but uh, we, you go through things. You know, um, sorrow is life's greatest teacher. And you can't sit down in the middle of sorrow. You have to go through it. You have to walk through it to the other end because on the other end of sorrow is the joy unspeakable full of glory that's waiting for you on that other end. And that's the testimony of our life is, is from trauma or from sorrow to joy. And we're going to share that with you this morning. I don't know if you want to share anything else. Yeah. Um, no, I th- I'll share more. Yeah. Thank you, honey. <laughs> You said, I didn't know if you, I think I do. I think that's why we're here. Oh. <laughs> so uh, trucking, like a doodah man once told me you got to play your hand. Sometimes the cards ain't worth a damn if you don't lay them down. Lyrics from a song from the Great- Grateful Dead. So I'm not preaching on that. And on the way to the way to the wedding, I think there was a song that said, "It's a zippity doodah day" or something. I'm the happiest girl in the whole USA. <laughs> then there's other songs too. I like songs. So, anyways, uh, it's been awesome being here. I love the worship today. That was so grand, so fantastic. I mean, wow. I mean. That's just, we could go home. So I'm not going to dismiss, though. We're going we're gonna to talk about trauma to joy. It's our life's testimony. And Dennis is going to teach on trauma. I'm going to teach a little on joy. Uh, but we want to tell you what happened in our life um, and uh, what, what God did. I, um, I went green at 14, and for 10 years I smoked pot. And... Um, God said, let there be grass, and there was, you know. So I took the Bible literally, and um, I tell my kids, as they know, I ripped 10 years out of my life, and we got saved. I was 24, and God did a big work. You know, we were hippie kind of wannabes, and, you know, we got married in Illinois and and came out to Washington, and uh, God, we had our family out there. We got saved. I got saved. Um, listening to Stevie Wonder, Heaven is 10 zillion light years away. True story. Because yeah, the lyrics on that song, in one, that song said, if you open up your heart, you can feel him, you can feel his spirit. And Denise started going to a little local church, and she said, you just got to give your life to the Lord. And I was Catholic, and I always believed in Jesus, but I hadn't really fully received him. Well, I got down on my knees during that song, I was all alone in a house that God gave us, um, and um, I just asked Jesus real simply to come into my life, and it was like a bolt of lightning came through me, just rushing up and down my body, and, and I was just weeping, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I was saved, that 
that, uh, you know, if I died, I was going to go to heaven. You know, back in those days, it was a big fear trip, you know. You got saved through fear, you know, but now it's all about God's love. And so God did a great work in us. What happened to us was um, uh, we made a decision to have an abortion before we had any of our children when we moved out to Washington. And so it was so shaming to us that, that it, was so, it was so devastating. It's like, you know, you could go to war, you could kill, but to kill your very own was the worst thing that, I, that you could ever do. And I, I was pretty much, uh, had a lot of shame in my life already. And that was it. Once we did that, it was like, wow, we'll never have children. We'll never have a home. We don't, des- I don't, I don't deserve any of that because of the shame. Because there's no way, I could forgive other people, but to forgive myself for that was like nearly impossible. Well, before God, that's, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so what happened, it was immediately after that, we gave our hearts to the Lord, and we got radically changed, and we were on a, on a journey. And um, the trouble with you is the trouble with me. We've got two good eyes, but we still don't see. Another Grateful Dead lyric. But, uh, you know, God speaks to us in so many different ways, and... Um, so what happened with us right after we gave our hearts to the Lord, God gave us a house for $50 down. And we had this beautiful home. And then we got pregnant with our, our first son, Abram. And it was like, wow, here I never thought I'd have any of this stuff. And God started to redeem our lives. And then we had our second son, Caleb. And uh, we, were, we were just, we found, a, we were in a little local church in the, uh, pastor said, we're going to build our church, and we're going to do it with volunteer work here, and if you're here and you can help, put up your hand. So I put up my hand, and I was the only one. And so I began to work building our church, putting in the foundations of the church with, with a, a spiritual father. And then there was a prophet who was a spiritual father, and our pastor was a spiritual father. And so we began to have spiritual fathers at a, at a young age, in our 20s, which was so important. And then... Um, we were real active in the church, and then our, our son got uh, really sick, really sick, and there was a huge battle for his life, and uh, we, he went to the hospital. He had Kawasaki's disease, and it was the first case in the, in the country or on the West Coast, and uh, he ended up dying. After a long time, he was in the hospital. I, I'd just go there, and I'd read the Bible to him every day, and I, you know, it was just very, very traumatic. And so death was uh, the outcome. We brought him home. He still had a low-grade temperature, and he ended up dying in our home. And so that was, that was the huge trauma in our life that uh, we had no clue. We just thought, we're on track with God. We, you know, how could this happen? And so that very night... Um, Dennis and I just cried, and we just cried ourselves to sleep. It was just, it was terrible. And I asked the Lord, I said, we just said, why, God, why? Why did you take our, our son? And I had no idea that, um, why he, he had taken him. But the next morning when I woke up, 
I opened up my Bible because I would, was very religious. We became, we were hippies and we became religious and then we became, oh, on and on and on. It's been a, a real epic journey. And um, I opened up the Bible to exactly where I had left off the day before, reading to Abram and Caleb and Denise in our front room. And this is where I left off and this is what, how the Lord began to answer our cry. Isaiah 55, uh, starting with verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but it waters the earth and it makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. Instead of a thorn shall come up a cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And I have to say, I hardly understood what it all meant, but it, it, it sprang a little hope in my heart. And I could say that we're still walking out that prophetic word today, and it means so much. See, because you're all a word sent from God, and you will not return to him void but you will accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. So God began to redeem our life, and we looked at our lives, and God looks at us as families. And we, looking at my family, my father's, my grandfather, my father's father died when he was three years old. On my mother's side of my family, there was, um, her, her father died when she was 11 or 12 years old. On Denise's side of her family, uh, she was born in Hawaii, and her mother was, is Portuguese and uh, uh, had a hard life in Hawaii, and there was death and murder and all these terrible things coming down her side of the family. When we met in high school, we didn't know hardly anything about our families. But only now, because we do um, healing and deliverance ministry, do we understand the area of the sins of the fathers and the resulting curses. And so both of us had this huge open doors to death that was coming down our family line. And I believe it landed right on us when we made a decision to abort our, our first child. And, and we, we made the choice, and immediately after, after we did it, it was like, oh, what have we done? But isn't that how the enemy just puts that iniquitous pressure to enter into the same things coming down the family? And so... We made that decision, and death, death got trapped in Denise's womb. And then we had our firstborn son. And Denise's father also was a, a high-level mason, too. And so and then we had our firstborn son, and a lot of curses come down to the firstborn son. And the enemies tried to take out our son, Abram, many times. And then we had our second son, Caleb, and he got that virus, and he died. So there were some legal rights that the enemy was able to play out in our lives, which we didn't understand when we went through it. But now we understand 
But you know what? God's a redeemer. He begins to redeem our lives. I want to burst. <laughs> I could cry, <laughs> but I could laugh. Oh, because our daughter Joy, <laughs> she's so great. So what happened was we got pregnant again. And we knew we were to have a girl, we would name her Joy. And so we did. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and she is. <laughs> and she has always been total Joy. <laughs> She's been awesome. <laughs> Whoa! It's <laughs> great. I always say I... I'll cry and cry at the drop of a hat and sometimes drop the hat, and I guess I dropped it. <laughs> but it's awesome. It's awesome. So the way God redeems our lives. See, he never stops. He never stops. And so it's emotional, it's emotional but it's, it's real because, you know, God gives us the Father's heart so that we can feel what God feels and so we can uh, live large, you know. Our soul's not sh shut down. It's, it's huge. He just keeps building his love and pouring his love into our hearts. And, and it's so good to live free and, uh, you know, have expression and passion and see what God's doing. And so um, Joy, Joy was in our life, and she was, you know, was like for our whole church, too, because the whole church went through it. And she's been a handful, let me tell you. She's been a and uh, some of the curses and things have fallen on our children, and, you know, they're walking it out. They're, 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 you know, we've cut that death off, and that's why it's from trauma to joy. And the kingdom of God is all about joy. And so 14 years after our son Caleb died, God brought a, man, a young man into our lives, and that was our son Richie. And he just sovereignly brought him into our life. He had gotten radically saved. He needed a safe place, a house. He needed a mom. He needed a dad. He needed all the things that we were. And he just put, us, put, a, put him into our lives. And what we didn't know is that he was the same age as our son Caleb, had Caleb had lived. And so Joy had a brother, Grace had a brother, we had another daughter, Grace, after there, after Joy, we had Grace, and if we had another one, it would have been Mercy, because we would have needed Mercy. <clears throat> so, uh, Danius is going to come up in a minute and just teach a little bit on trauma. We're, what we want to do today is, is to impart joy to you. You know, the kingdom of God is a party, and no one throws a party like God, you know, Remember the old book by Demos Shakarian of the Full Gospel Businessman, The Happiest People on Earth? Yeah, that's, that's us. That's us. We should be the happiest people on earth. Amen. So we want to just impart joy. It's, Denise is going to share about how all that came about in, in, uh, in her life and our lives. And so we do, 
ministry, and we always impart joy, and, and Denise has gone all over the world doing that too. And just um, one more scripture before Denise comes up. Um, you know, in Isaiah 61, we know that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus and, you know, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And then, you know, in verse 2 at the end, it says, to, to comfort all of those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So we mourned over the loss of our son, but then God gave us joy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And verse 4 says, And they shall rebuild the old ruins, the ancient ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the, the ruined cities and the desolation of many generations. And you see, that's what it's all about for all of us. We are, we are on course to repair the generations and to take back, because what Jesus did was complete. And this is our, our M.O., you know, this is who we are. This is what God has called us to do. It's called the body of Christ to do. And I used to read this as a young Christian. I think, how could this ever happen? But you know what? Standing here this morning, I realized the reality of it. It's happening. And why does he use us, me? You know, he loves us, and he's got a great plan. The rest of the story... I'm the woman, so I fill in the details. Uh, um, after Richie came and lived with us, and we just, you know, we've, we all fell in love with each other and great family. Richie married our youngest daughter, Grace's best friend. And Richie had a little daughter, which you'll, you guys, some of you will meet her in a couple weeks. She's coming out here for her spring break. And then uh, he had a, he was getting, they were getting ready to have a son, and they came to us and asked us, how would you feel if we named our son Caleb? And that was our son's name. And it was like God just said, I'm redeeming this situation again, Denise. And um, so they named our grandson Caleb. So we have a Caleb again. God is good. And, um, but I, and so then um, last year, uh, Richie died suddenly of a heart attack, a massive heart attack at 35 years old. And it was like, we were like, uh, no, this is not going to happen. Uh, so we went to the funeral home, laid hands on him to raise him from the dead. And this is something, yeah, and you all were, a lot of you all were praying for that. And this is something that God has put in my heart to do. I went to Uganda with the word that I was going to raise somebody from the dead, and I couldn't find a dead person in Uganda. Uh, and, and at that time... <laughs> At that time in Uganda, people were dying really rapidly because of the AIDS epidemic. This was probably back like 99, 2000, or, yeah. And um, I was really disappointed, and everybody was trying to be nice to me. They said, oh, Denise, will you raise people from the spiritual dead? You know, and I was like, no, I know what God said. And so I was just like, what is up, God? So two weeks later, I get this letter in the mail from them in Uganda, and they are raising people from the dead. 
And I'm thinking, it's not fair. I got the word. What's the deal, Lord? And, but I mean, I was happy for him and everything. And then I heard Bill Johnson last year talking, and he said, apostles go with a word from the Lord, and they don't see it happen with them. But they deposit it into the community, into the place they're in, and everyone else does what they deposit. And I thought, oh, okay. I receive that. I take that. So anyway, so... I'm excited. So we, we, Joy, Crystal, Gary, and I, we're at the funeral home. We're praying for Richie to be raised from the dead. And we're, we're worshiping. We're having a wonderful time. Uh, everybody else is gone. It's just the four of us because we we're the ones that feel like God's given us faith to pray for this. And so we're praying for Richie to be raised from the dead. And um, then Joy, I think it was Vince, uh, God gave Vince a vision of Richie and Jesus standing in the corner. And they were talking to each other, and Vince was describing Richie and what Richie was doing. And he was, everything he was describing were Richie's mannerisms, you know, that we would know that, that this is how, you know, Richie was like, I think he was doing something like this, and they were talking, and, and then Richie finally went like this. And immediately, we knew that Richie didn't want to come back to earth. He wanted to stay in heaven. And as soon as that happened, his little, his, my granddaughter Bailey, his, his daughter, and I were standing right next to, him, his, to his body. This tear came out of his eye, just rolled down his face. We were like, okay, God. He wants to be in heaven. We're, we're cool. So we went out with joy. We, I mean, not just with joy, but I mean, we went out with joy and peace, you know, that he was in heaven. And you know what was so strange? We had come, we'd come here in February that year before, and, and um, Matthew was teaching on uh, Revelation and heaven, and, and Richie just so connected with that and just told us, you know, I really, I don't think there's anything left for me on this earth. I really, really want to go to heaven. And he would say those things, and it would freak everybody out. And uh, so he's in heaven, and I'm waiting to see him, because I've seen all my, I've seen the child that I aborted, I've seen our son Caleb in heaven, so now I'm waiting to see Richie in heaven. Uh, So anyway, that's kind of a sidetrack, but God is a redeemer, and even Caleb, he only lived four and a half months, to be four and a half months old, but if you look at that scripture in Isaiah 55 that Gary was reading, the part in, in, in verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. Caleb was a word sent from God. He, he was here for four and a half months. And it shall not return to me void. That, vo- that word void means useless. Um, but it shall accomplish what it pleases. I really believe that the testimony that God's given us as we share about Caleb's life, as we share about God's redemption, that he was a word that has not returned void, that he is still has fruit coming forth from his little life of four and a half months old, and that there are many people that get set free and get healed and delivered because of this word, and this word keeps going on and on and on and on and on and on it goes. It keeps going on and on all over the world, so... Anyway, I get excited when I think about it. Um, And it says that it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it to. So where we go, wherever we go, and we share this testimony, and we share what God's word says, it prospers wherever we go. It prospers the people that we go to. So his his little life is still, still, still flowing. 
And uh, so it's very exciting, very exciting to me. So I just had to add that little part to the testimony. Is that okay? Yes. Okay, guys, I'm going to have to make you stand up and jump around if you don't wake up. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk just a little bit about trauma because we walked through this process of the trauma and the sorrow of, of, of the death, and that, that wasn't the only sorrow that we've had in our lives. We've really... God has really shown us that we can get through sorrow, we can get through the other end of sorrow, and we can possess joy. So the word trauma means damage, it means defeat, Um, and what happens with with, uh, trauma is that it reduces who we are, and it really is an identity issue. When trauma happens in our lives, um, it wants to tell us that there's something wrong with us. It, it, it It wants to... cloak our identity so that we will not know who we are. It also um, uh, has foundations in it that that create lies about safety. When trauma happens in our life, then we don't feel safe, we don't feel secure, and it also causes us to not be able to trust. So these are things, when, when we're in the middle of something, these are the things we fight for. We fight for safety, we fight for trust, we fight for our identity. As we're walking through the middle of trauma or sorrow or whatever we're going through, we fight, we keep those things as we go through. We don't sit down and leave those things in the middle of the trauma. We have to fight to, to fight the good fight of faith, to get to the other end, to get out the other side, to be victorious in that. So that's, you know, God is a redeemer. He wants to redeem every single thing that the enemy has ever done to steal, kill, and destroy from you. But what happens is, the, what, what happens is, we have all this pressure, all these things that are happening that we don't know about. We don't know that we believe lies about God and peop- other people and ourselves. We don't know those things. We don't know that we have iniquity putting pressure on us. I mean, I was raised in the seven, 60s and 70s, so the motto was, nobody's going to tell me what to do with my body. And if I ever get pregnant, I will have an abortion. That was our generation, and we've repented of it, obviously, but... Um, that was our generation fought for that. And because of the deception, because of the rebellion that was in our hearts. And I did exactly what I said I would do. I made the vow and I did it. And then I realized, what in the world was I thinking? What in the world? How did I get to this place? It was like, I woke up. And that's what happens with trauma. Trauma puts us to sleep, especially in our brain. Our brain, trauma traps in our brain, and what happens then is death. Everything, death comes at the same time when we're going through trauma. It tries to trap in our brain. If it traps in our brain, then everything filters through death. Everything we look at filters through that spirit of death or that fear of death. We'll look at it that way because of the trauma. That's why we want to break free from trauma. Um, And that spirit of death, that fear of death, that will put you to sleep. That's why in 2008, the Lord began to speak prophetically to awake. See, we got to wake up. I was flying from North Carolina back to, to Washington, and the Lord said, there's a spirit of death over this nation. And, you know, I kind of knew that, but he said, I want you to wake people up. I want you to tell them it's time to awake. You know, in Romans um, 13, 11, it says, And do this, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. 
For now your salvation is nearer than you first believed. In 1 Corinthians 15, 34, it says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Uh, uh, for some, some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to their shame. So God is calling us to awake. And, and we've been saying you can't awake when you have death in your brain. It's like a coffin. It becomes something that you filter through because of the traumas in our lives. And so we're going to break those traumas today. Not only break those traumas, but we're going to impart joy. Uh, so that, because that's, you know, pretty opposite. Trauma and joy, pretty long space between there, huh? Yeah, so I want to throw something out here for you to think about. I was reading the Word one day, and um, I was reading in Luke 9. And this is 27 through 36, so I say Selah to you. And um, um, I was reading it, and this is the story of Jesus. You know, he's on the Mount of Mount. He's in uh, Mount of transfiguration, and um, he's, you know, with Moses and Elijah, and, you know, he's having his thing, and then the disciples are asleep while he's doing his thing uh, with, you know, he's doing a great thing, but he's doing part of what, his destiny. They're asleep, and so he's in the glory of God, and, um, and Peter and all of them are asleep, and I, I thought, well, what does that word sleep mean? And so I looked it up in the Greek, and it actually means hypos, H-Y-P-O-S, which kind of sounds almost like hypnosis or, you know, the, well, anyway, I won't go off on that rabbit trail. But So then I started thinking, well, what does it mean anything else? So I started studying it, and the word hypos is the name of an ancient god of sleep. And so I started thinking, I thought, were the disciples being influenced by something other than that they were just tired? Was there something else going on? And I started thinking about this whole issue of, of, of trauma wanting to put us in a place of death and not being awake and not being the word for this year, the prophetic word from the prophets this year is arise and shine for the, your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I mean, we're, you know, God's waking us up. He's calling us to arise. He's calling us to shine. But are we asleep or are we trapped in trauma? They, maybe they were. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to create a new doctrine, but I, I just, as I was studying this, I thought, wow, okay. Well, maybe there was something else influencing them than being tired. Maybe this ancient god of sleep was influencing them. Might influence some of us sometimes. <laughs> just a thought, just a thought. I'm just talking, you know, just a thought. Just throwing things out. I'm not trying to create a doctrine. I'm just throwing things out for you to think about. So trauma, what does it do? Put you to sleep. Can put you to sleep. What else can it do? It what? Cloaks your identity. Traps you in death. Keeps you from the promises. Keeps you from the joy that is set before you. I didn't hear what was said. Makes you heart sick. So... We're going to get rid of trauma today, right? All right, so two types of trauma really quick. First type of trauma, 
comes, and we call it trauma A, it comes from the absence of good things that are necessary for us to grow and be nurtured. And this time of trauma brings a lot of damage to our emotions. And these are the things that we need as individuals uh, when we're, as we're uh, growing up. We need, we need touch. Uh, Psalms 22.9 says, On my mother's breast, you made me to trust. We need to hear the voice. We need, you never see, uh, carry somebody else's baby and the mom says something and they could be across the room, but the baby's head goes right to the mom because they know their mother's voice. We need to know our mother's voice. We need to know our daddy's voice. We, we need to. We need to hear and receive those words, those things that daddy's saying to us, that we're saying to one another, that our mother said to us, um, use important, use special, use kind. I don't know if it was the words that she spoke or the tone of her voice. Do you ever think about that? Just the way her voice was. I think it was really good for that little girl, but all of us watching the movie were like, ah. <laughs> Voice is so important. And you know, God has given us authority. He gives, he's built us physically to have authority. You know, he's given us a mouth. You know, and that, our mouth has authority. And so when our voice comes forth, it can come forth in authority. It can come forth in a way that may be louder, but it can come forth in a voice that says, use special, use important, softly, lovingly. And that's what, uh, what we need, what we've always needed. The greatest need for um, a, a man is to hear their dad say, you can do it, son. You can do it. You're, you're good. You're great. You can do it. And the greatest failure for a man is a fear of failure. The greatest fear of a man is a fear of failure. Now, a woman, she's different. She wants that her, her, her mom, her, her dad to say, you're lovely and you're worth pursuing. Their greatest fear is abandonment. And they really need love. Where the, where the, where the boy... Um, they, they need respect. And, you know, you know that because you've read the book, Love and Respect, right, if you're married? <laughs> so, um, so we're saying, the words that are coming out of our mouth, our voice uh, has a lot to do with whether we feel loved or not. So sometimes when the voice is coming forth in our family when we're little, it's not creating a safe place. It's not creating a place to where we feel like we're loved. And so that's a type of trauma. You know, we always think of trauma as somebody's getting abused, you know, something like that is happening. But trauma is when we have neglect happening in those, these areas. Um, what did you hear as a child? Here's an example, a lady that was born in the Depression. She was the fifth child in that family. And when she was born, her grandmother held her up, and she said, you should never have been born. She said that because she was the fifth child in the Depression, so she was thinking this was practical, you know, because how are we going to feed this child? How are we going to take care of this child? But what did it do for the child? It created death and depression in her life. So what did you hear as you were growing? What did you hear? What didn't you receive? Jesus said that, uh, that his words were spirit and truth. 
And David said that God has made us to know truth in the inward parts. So we know truth when we hear truth. When we hear truth, we know truth, don't we? So when we're growing up and we hear truth, we know it. But when we're not hearing truth, that's when we come into a place to where we, sh- we will shut down and we'll feel lack, and that will create trauma in our lives. Also, and that's another other thing we have authority over, is our ears. It's the place that God has given us authority. He's given us fingers to put in our ears so that we cannot hear whatever it is that's being said. Very important what we hear. Our eyes are another another uh, area that shows um, what we need. Our eyes communicate uh, love. Uh, but what about, uh, and I believe that our eyes are the windows to the soul. So when we look in somebody's eyes, then we can see their soul. We can see what God is, you know, how their emotions, if their emotions are alive, if they're if they're in trauma, if especially they've had trauma that's neglect, that's where we see the, the eyes, you know, the soul, the emotions, not healthy, not well, not working. Um, we need that continual uh, uh, affirmation. Um, when we don't experience that, then we don't know we're a delight. When we don't experience that with our parents, we don't see the twinkle in their eyes when, when we can return to them after we fall down and we return to them. Other examples being maybe not feeling loved or cherished, uh, not been, being given time because our parents are absent, uh, not encouraged, not communicating with us and understanding us. That was my big thing. Nobody understands me. Well, nobody could understand me because I had these huge, thick walls of shame around me that nobody could get in. And I would run out from behind them every so often and say whatever I wanted to and then run back and hide behind them. None of you have ever done that. No. No. Um, sometimes we don't get adequate, adequate food or clothing. Think about it. Was there any lack in your life as you were growing up? If there was, there could be some trauma. A there. We're going to deal with that today. Yay. Um, Trauma B, these are the abusive type things that happen to us. That's where um, things happen to us that are abuse. Here's some examples. Physical abuse, face slapping, hair pulling, uh, shaking, punching, uh, tickling into hysteria. My brothers used to do that to me. And uh, the only place on my body that was not ticklish were my feet. And so I used them as a lethal weapon against them whenever they would tickle me. And, but it was terrible. I remember that feeling really tra- traumatized from the tickling. So sometimes people just think, I'm just having fun with you, but they're traumatizing you. Uh, spankings that leave, <laughs> leave marks or <laughs> sexual abuse, verbal abuse, name-calling, abandonment, uh, witnessing someone else being abused. I witnessed a lot of abuse being done to my brother's. Uh, I was the only girl, and so my dad, you know, had a different standard for girls when it came to discipline. And so I didn't get the discipline like my brothers did, but I could watch what would happen with them, and I would feel traumatized by what happened in my family. So sometimes it's not just happening to you, it's what you saw. So these are all things that, uh, that, that I'm only bringing these out to just kind of 
spark something. So you're going to know, you know, when we, when, when we get into ministry, what it is that you want to give to the Lord, what you're, what you're letting go of so that you can get the healing. Isaiah 49.15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I, God, will not forget you. No matter what has happened to you, God hasn't forgotten you, and he's brought us here to, for you to receive more healing in your life. That's very exciting, very exciting. Some of you may wonder, what am I doing here today? <laughs> I've never been to this church before, and I don't really know, you know what's going on. Well, I really believe God's brought you here for a reason and a purpose, and I know the reason and purpose is he wants to bring more healing into your life. He's a personal God that loves you with, a, with an everlasting love, and he wants to touch you and bring more healing into your life. So Gary's going to come up and talk a little bit um, here, and then, then I'll come up at the end. Thank you, honey. So I want to talk about joy because we want to, we're going to have a joy tunnel, and we want to impart joy. Um, we, we have a, let's see, the, let's see, where are we? God wants to restore your joy center. You have a joy center, and um, we must return to joy when we, when we face trauma. And the joy center is the right orbital prefrontal cortex of our brain. So it's somewhere right in here. Yeah, it's basically the pleasure center. It has executive control over the entire emotional system. It regulates our emotions, pain control, and our immunity centers. It guides us to act so that we can act like ourselves who we're created to be. It releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin so that, you know, we can just be ourselves. And um, also, um, I always talk about sex, but I'm not going to talk about sex today. But that's, you know, where it's the pleasure center that's connected to, you know, um, pleasure in sexual union. It's also the part of the brain that overrides the main drive center, such as sexual impulses. Terror, rage, uh, so it's the, it's, it overrides the fight and flight, and it also can override, you know, the drive for food. So it's really an amazing part of our brains, and this is how God made us, so that if our joy center is connected to heaven correctly, it can override all these impulses and things that would try to drive our lives in a negative way. I mean, God made these all for good things. So it's really, it's really cool, and that's why we call it the joy center. So the desire for joy starts in our lives really in the first three years. You know, even as Jesus learned to trust on his mother's breast, that's where trust is built, and it's the basic need, and it's, it's the strongest uh, force in a child's life. And it's really connected to... Uh, Primarily, originally, you know, with the child, with the mom, with nurture. So that's why if you were neglected and didn't get the nurture, 
you didn't get your joy center or that part of your brain developed the way it should have been or could have been. So the example that Denise was talking about, if you have a little toddler, your little grandbabies, you know, if they fall down and they cry, you know, what they do is they turn around and they look for their mom or dad or mom, usually, their beloved. And if they can reconnect to their beloved, then everything's okay, and then that part of their brain begins to develop correctly. So joy is um, relational, and it's contagious, and it's given at a very fast rate. It's, it's face-to-face, and it's nonverbal, so it's eyeball-to-eyeball, and it's given at um, five or six cycles per second. So just looking in you know, your eyes, it's communicated really quickly. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? And the, you know, the Word tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when we're living in the kingdom, in the realm of the kingdom of God, you know, we have peace, we have joy, and we have righteousness. And so it's, it's really heaven's commodity in that sense. And it is the expression of the king. In the, in the word, it talks about Jesus having more joy than his companions. You know, for the joy that was set before him, he saw us, you know, he saw through eternity, and, and you know, he went all the way to the cross to pay the price so that we could live as he lived. He only did what he saw his father do and only said what he heard his father say. So that opens the doors up for us to be able to live like he lived and to live in the kingdom. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. And I believe that as we draw close to God, not in a religious way, but in a, in a godly way, we can live in the kingdom and just live and have joy. Thank you, Joy, for coming into our life, by the way. Thanks, Lord, for sending joy to us. And Crystal, too. Crystal joy, right? <laughs> Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Isaiah twelve three says, Therefore with joy you will draw out waters. Water from the wells of salvation. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those to whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to, to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when the word of God was uh, spoken to in Nehemiah's time here, the people were so convicted, you know, they were just undone. They were so undone because they really missed God. And the priest told them, you know, go your way, drink the sweet, eat the fat. I mean, he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sorrow no more, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sorrow's life's greatest teacher. Even Jesus learned obedience, the word tells us, by the things that he suffered. So we want the joy. 
And that word, the joy of the Lord, is your strength. That, that word strength is the word stronghold. Uh, it's the same word. Um, yeah. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's, that word strength is stronghold. And then it also talks in the word about return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope, and I will restore to you double. So there's great restoration, and there's great power in how God really wants us to be with joy. So Denise is going to come up in just a minute and, and, and talk about her testimony about joy. But just as we get ready to close and have a joy tunnel, uh, we, would, we would ask you to come through, and we, what we want to do is we just want to lay hands on you, on, on your joy center, and we want to do just an activation. We don't, want to, we're not, we don't want the team to prophesy over everybody because we want to just impart joy, impart joy. You know, so we're just going to say trauma out, joy Joy come, you know. And so you just, if you want more joy, more, more of God and his kingdom, we just believe the impartation uh, will be there for you. And if you don't want to, that's okay too. If you've never gone through a joy tunnel where, or any kind of tunnel where people lay hands on you and, and you prefer not to, that's fine. You can still have all that God has for you. So Denise is going to share her, her testimony on how, uh, how this was further developed, so it's been our life story from trauma to joy. And so it's just something that's built in our lives. It's not something we asked for. Uh, we just got it when we got joy. Uh, before we do that, though, I would like to take you through, if you want to, I would like to take you through a prayer to uh, command trauma to leave your body. You guys okay with that? Yeah, so, you know, uh, we're going to do that first, and then we're going to go into just a, a quick little testimony of why we're doing what we're doing is when we were pastoring, I was mentoring a group of women, and we were just doing a prophetic uh, activation, the first one in, in the teaching that we were doing. So it was, you know, listen to the Lord and write down whatever you hear him saying. So they were all writing down, and so I took out my notebook and said, Lord, what do you, what do you want to say to me? And um, he started speaking to me about something that had happened to me during renewal. During renewal, um, we had a speaker come, and when I got prayed for, I um, got slain in the spirit, and I was laying on the floor, and I started going into physical labor, like I was having a baby. And I was like, what is going on? Um, And I went through the whole birthing process, and I'm getting to the end of the birthing process, and I asked the Lord, what are you doing? What, what, what am I birthing? And he said, Denise, you're birthing joy unspeakable, full of glory. I'm like, what? I thought I was birthing something like a, a new ministry or something. I mean, I, what does that mean, Lord? Okay, so this is prior to the, to, to the prophetic activation. So I kind of put that on the back burner and thought, well, you know, I already have joy. You know, I, I'm not sure what he's talking about, so... I, um, I'm, I'm down there on the floor. He tells me that. And so this is a couple of years, probably more than a couple of years, probably like four years later, I'm sitting there waiting for the Lord to speak to me. And this is what he says, Denise, do you remember when you gave birth to joy unspeakable, full of glory? I'm like, I do remember that. And I still don't understand what you're, you know, what you're trying to tell me about that. 
And he said, I have, I'm giving you an anointing to activate joy centers. I'm giving you anointing to lay hands on that area of a person's brain and activate, reactivate that, activate that back to me so that they can, they can experience joy, some of them for the first time. And then he was specific because I was leaving the next week to go to Uganda to minister to, to women there. And he said, when you go to Uganda, I want you to, I'm going to show you how you're going to do this, and then I'm just going to have you do this for the rest of your life. So went to Uganda, 2,000 women laid hands on their joy centers. <laughs> and uh, the next year when we came back, it was so I really didn't think about it so much, but when I got there, it was so incredible because the years before, I'd, I've gone to Uganda many times, the babies would just be laying in their mother's laps, lifeless, no, no communicate, you know, nothing on their face, nothing happening. The moms would be, you know, very... The people in Uganda know the joyful sound. They just haven't been set free to the joyful sound. And that's what God was after, so that they could make the joyful sound. They knew the joyful sound in their heart, but they couldn't make the joyful sound with their face or their emotions because of the trauma. And so the next year when I came back, the babies were all standing up facing me. And they were like, you know, the whole time. And the moms were all, everybody was smiling and the babies were alive. And I was like, the Lord said, did you see what I did? It's like, wow. It was so cool. And I went to Bulgaria after that and I was like, Okay, God, let's go for it. And, and the, whole, the whole, yeah, the gypsy women in Uganda, the whole place, every one of them was flat on their backs, the Lord ministering to them and joy and laughter and just, you know, having everything activated afresh and anew. So we've seen this happen over and over and over again. Of course, you have to choose what you're going to receive. Father's not ever going to force anything on you. You know, he's, he's given us freely, and we have to be the one that learns to receive. So let's go through this trauma prayer together. And one of the things that God's, God really tells me a lot is, Danny's lay hands on yourself. We're going to pray right now. I, I, want you, I, want, I, want to, I want you to pray in the Spirit, because right now I want to do something with your heart, or I want to do something with your head, or, or your ears, or something like that. So I want you to lay hands on any part of your body that you feel like there could be any trauma still residing in your body from some of the things that we have talked about, okay? You can lay hands on yourself. You don't have to have, always have somebody else laying hands. We're all in agreement, aren't we? That, that the, the, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> there's so many different places. <laughs> Do the best you can, because God, God knows. <laughs> oh, we're going to have some joy before we get rid of the trauma. Yay! <laughs> so, um, so, yes, you can lay hands on yourself and, so, uh, and, and have an expectation that, that Daddy is here and that uh, he's, he's releasing his healing virtue into your body, into your mind, into your emotions, into your heart, into your brain. So if you could put that prayer up. We're going to do this together out loud and believe. Um, this is just a question. Jesus, does my body or my brain still hold shock, trauma, fear, terror from that event, whatever event of trauma? If yes, pray, and this is where we're going to start, and we're going to go through this list, and certain things will be very specific for you, and uh, after we're done with this, then we'll do the joy tunnel, and we'll have the music and all of that. Okay, so we'll start right in the middle there where it says, Lord Jesus. Let's do this together. 
Lord Jesus, I ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would remove all natural shock, trauma, fear, and terror off of my heart, my, oh, sorry, the cells of my body, my heart, my lungs, my kidney, my liver, my reproductive organs, my hormones, my eyes, my nose, my throat, my ears, my skin, my nails, off of my muscles, my ligaments, my tendons, my cartilage, my bones, and bone barrel, off of my bloodstream, and my DNA, off of my nervous system, from the stem of my brain to all my nerve endings, I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would pour your oil of healing into my nervous system, my mind on the conscious level, the subconscious level, the unconscious level, my emotions, my will, my identity, and my spirit, all non-cognitive and pre-verbal memories, my amygdala and my hypothalamus. Please return them to their natural functioning states. Turn off the alarm systems and the hypervigilance within me. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would receive all the silent screams from my body. I ask that you would turn off the fight and flight response that has been activated by the shock and trauma of the events in my life and that you would restore the fight and flight response to your original design within me. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you restore my brain to its natural homeostasis and that you would establish new neurological connections within me to the joy center. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would fill my cells with your peace, your love, your joy. Please bring my body to a place of rest. I ask this in in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what do we pray? What do we, what do we pray about? We pray in faith. We, f- we pray with belief that God is going to do something. Now, when, we, when you go through the tunnel, we're going to lay hands on your joy center, but we're also going to command sorrow, anything that the Lord tells us to, to come out. And uh, I, I know we did, this, we did this at a women's conference in North Carolina, and Crystal Joy um, was coming through the line, and she had to, you know, God dipped her, I mean, backwards. She just kept going, woo, back and forth, back and forth, like about four times until, until the, you know, everything got cleared out and, and Joy broke forth. And it's been, this, it's been good ever since, eh? All right, so, um, so what we're going to do is we're going to lay hands on you, and we're not going to prophesy over you. We're going to lay hands on you and activate your joy center. Okay, so um, we'll lay hands on the ministry team first. So if the... Hmm? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... We have a grandson, a spiritual grandson. I have a friend who ministered to her for nine years. She could not have children. She'd, had, she'd actually had nine abortions, and um, her womb could not sustain life, and God healed her womb. She is 52 years old and has a 16-month-old baby boy, and his, he is, we call him the joy bomb. 
because he has brought so much joy into their lives. All that sorrow, all that trauma of nine abortions, and God restoring her womb and giving her the desire of her heart at 50 years old to have a baby. I mean, I would think, oh, I don't want a baby at 50 years old, but she never had one, and she wanted one, and God gave her Zachary, and he is the joy bomb. So, all right. All right. 